Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. So, good to see everyone today. Uh, welcome to the first Sunday in 2022. Um, these guys did pretty good today, didn't they? You just want to thank them a little? All right. Well, guys, I want to start the, the year off honest with you. I want to be honest here right from the start. Uh, welcome you into uh, a little bit of uh, some of my shortcomings, some of my weaknesses, um, some of the places in me where uh, God is still putting his finger and working. I know that most of you uh, really genuinely and honestly believe that I'm perfect and I appreciate that. But I just want to start out the year saying that I am so not, and I'm looking uh, forward to a year where I can uh, become more like Jesus in the places where I'm just not. And so that's really um, a a word for us that if you want to have a transformational 2022, you're going to have to be honest right from the start. That just means all of your secret sins can't be secret anymore. You need to confess. You need to get them out. Uh, all, all the stuff that you are just, you're, you're happy, you're in a mode where everybody has one view of you, but behind the scenes, that's just not true. That just has to come out, right? And so this morning, I, I want to just model that a little bit. Uh, I want to, as I'm doing that, uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, um, starting with verse 16, and uh, we're going to start there. This is a passage of scripture that surprised me when uh, it was placed on my heart. I really believe by the Lord. Um, so we're going to go there. It's been years since I preached on this passage. Uh, as I dug into it, there's a lot of really beautiful stuff there. But uh, actually, let me, let me just pray this. Heavenly Father, we just invite you now like a, uh, uh, a good dad, but also a, a master surgeon just to come and use your word to get into our hearts. God, in 2022, we we want to become more like Jesus, and we want to do what Jesus did. We don't want anything holding us back from that, God. So we just pray that you would just start us out with some really beautiful, loving, kind, but intentional surgery in our hearts, God. So we we ask for that. Uh, We come expecting. We're expecting you to move, God. So we bless you today, and we have a lot of joy and anticipation in encountering you. Lord, I just want to thank you for these people. Just bless each one of them, God. It's so good to see each one. And for the ones that can't be with us uh, because they're not feeling well or for whatever reason, God, we just, we pray for healing to spread faster than disease in this, in this house and in this world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to tell you uh, a story. I, I went to a, uh, a Christmas concert. It was my uh, daughter Lena's Christmas concert. It was at Hanover High School. Uh, they got all of these, these young kids, all the elementary uh, school kids, and they, they put on this Christmas concert. And I went, I took my daughter about a half an hour early so she could kind of get with, uh, with the, the chorus and all the, all the things that she, she was doing. Got there a half an hour early, and then um, I did the dad thing. Dads, you know what I'm about to say, right? Um, I had, since I was there early, I just really felt like I needed to find a spot where all my family and loved ones could sit, right? And so I stood at the back of the auditorium, and I scoured the area for seats, the good seats where we usually sit, which is like to the front right, 
um, those were taken. And so I found some seats back left, all right? And I texted my wife and I said, hey, found some seats. I'm gonna guard them with my life just for you because I love you. And they are, they're, you know, just come see me. She, she texted back. She says, I'm 10 minutes away. Uh, see you soon. So I went and what I did is, is uh, in this section of seats, I went and I sat right in the middle of it. I didn't sit on the aisle because I didn't want someone to come in the other side and take those. I just sat right in the middle and then I just kind of vibed manliness, you know, uh, in that area, just kind of saying, this is my domain. All of these seats around me are taken, right? So when, when, you, you know, when you've got manliness, uh, you, you need to spread it and share it. Yeah, intimidate people with it. It's very good. So, but, so, what, so I, I did that. I sat right in the middle of the place where I claimed. But there was a, a couple that came walking down the aisle, and they passed the row that I was in. But then they stopped, and they turned around. The couple was super cool looking, uh, maybe 30 years old, uh, maybe late 20s. I don't really know. Uh, they looked like they were kind of European then they moved to Nashville, all right? You get in the picture? And then so, but they were visiting family for, I don't know if this is prophetic, but this is what I was getting, all right? And so they're, and so they're like visiting family in Hanover. They're, they're a kind of couple that you look at and you say, how in the world are they in this town? They're way too cool for this town. Um, and so, but they came and they came back to my row and they started coming in on my row. And I was like, man, my manliness is not working on the, the cool people, but whatever. I kind of like them. It's really cool. But what happened is I sat six seats in from the aisle and they came in one seat, two seat, three seat, four seat, five seat right next to me and sat down. All right. And uh, that's just kind of like a, a social boundary that you don't really cross, but they just did. All right. <laughs> And they sat right next to me, and I'm thinking here of all of the seats they could have sat in. Like, there are seats in front of me, behind me. Like, I, I was sitting in a, can a cavern, and my manliness was working. Like, nobody was around me until these people came. They sat right next to me. And I want to tell you, moments like that, just in average, common, everyday life, moments like that will start to get to places in our heart that expose what is in our heart. Let me tell you what a healthy response would have been for me is I would have said, hey guys, how are you doing? Maybe pat them on the shoulder, look them right in the eye, say, you guys are really cool. I've got some family coming in here. Would you mind just moving a few seats over? And by the way, are you from Amsterdam? Because you really have that vibe, you know? And I wish we would have uh, struck up a conversation with them and we would have become friends. But here's what I did and here's what many of us do in situations like that. Instead of communicating well, instead of being confident, what I did is I just went into what I'm calling this morning survival mode, all right? And I just pretended that them sitting right next to me was cool with me. I pretended. I, this, is what I, this is what I wanted to share with you this morning. So much of my life, when I've been, been either... Uh, you know, intentionally or unintentionally treated in a way that I'm uncomfortable with, I've pretended that everything is great. Have you ever been there? Yeah, so the survival mode can, it's either you retreat or you attack. And good thing my survival mode doesn't turn me into a ninja and I just would have fought these people and they're crying and they're like, why, why, what did we do? And I'm just like, just because, you know. But my thing is I retreat pretend that I'm fine, but I'm really not. I think when you look back on 2021 for me, 2021 and 2020 gave me what I'm calling confrontation fatigue. It's not that I'm afraid to confront. It's not that I'm afraid to have conversations that are hard. I'm just stinking exhausted from it. 
Uh, I feel like part of my life is just like, who am I going to confront today? I, I remember, um, and at, at, I don't know, last year, <laughs> waking up in the morning saying, God, today has to be the day that we kind of hit rock bottom and we can climb out of this thing. Uh, but it, it just never happens. There's just always someone. And guys, can I tell you, if you're interested in following Jesus and you're interested in operating from wholeness, from the presence of God, all right, you're going to have to get used to uh, having good, healthy, but hard conversations, right? But I have experienced confrontation fatigue, which has given me emotional fatigue. Anybody just tired emotionally? Anybody? Anybody have decision fatigue? You have just so many decisions. Like, can I have a day where I don't have to make a decision? I think my emotional fatigue, decision fatigue, and confrontation fatigue, because all of those I would have had to expend energy to talk to the Amsterdamians, right? <laughs> you know, that are here visiting from Nashville, all right? I, I would have had to just use all that, and I just decided to go into, into um, what mode did I just say? It was, uh, you know, just uh, survival mode. I just decided I'm just going into survival mode and I'm just going to pretend that I'm okay with people sitting in my space. I think sometimes we even spiritualize this. And we say things like this, Lord, these people are sitting in a place where I don't want them to, but thanks for this opportunity. I just want to say that when we begin to spiritualize our unhealth, that doesn't make us more like Jesus. That makes us the opposite of him. Jesus never spiritualized things that were uh, anti his heart, did he? Actually, wouldn't it be Jesus' heart <laughs> to communicate well and then to make friends with people that were in his space, right? So I, I'm sitting, sitting there. Remember, I, I just texted my wife and I said exactly where I'm sitting and then she was coming. Ten minutes have passed now and my wife comes walking down the aisle with uh, our tribe and she's walking down with all of this confidence because she just rolls like that and she sees me and she sees all of these seats and she sees these two hipsters sitting next to me and she walks right in front of us and she stands right in front of us kind of like with her hands on her hips and she goes what's going on here and then she points to all three of us at the same time <laughs> and, I, and I, I started getting angry because I'm like I'm trying to vibe to Adrian hey I'm in survival mode right now please don't mess this up <laughs> But actually, healthy people that know how to confront when something's weird and they just say that's weird, those people are frustrating, all right? And so Adrian just says, what's going on here? Do you know these people? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> these people are looking at Adrian, and they're starting to get weirded out too. And Adrian's like, huh, strange. Well, she sits down, and uh, those two left, all right? And I never got a chance to make friends with them because Adrian scared them off. But, um, the, but what happened is I had, I had my arms spaced back. I was much happier now that they were gone. Uh, but I, I, the, the, thing with, the thing with Adrian is, she, uh, is I was tempted to be frustrated at her confidence because her confidence and her health did not allow me to stay in my dysfunction. All right, now guys, let's be, I, I know that you're saying, oh, Nathan, you're trying to draw so much out of this one little thing. You can't do that. But I'm saying, no, no, you can. Look at your life. How do you operate around people? Do you hide? Do you run? Do you internally have conversations with people instead of in their presence, right? Or are you a person that just knows how to address things as you see them? So I really believe that God is calling us. I love the, the word that Angie had. And I love the, the way that, by the way, I love the way that my brother leads worship to like set the stage for a word like that. You know, 
but I love what God is doing here. But I believe that God wants us to do away with fear, but I think specifically the word that was on my heart for this morning is God wants to deal with those of us who are operating in and living in and making and coming to terms with, making friends with almost survival mode. Let me talk for a moment about what survival mode is, is that when you are in survival mode, the only thing that you can do is get by. All of your dreams are gone. All of your direction is gone. In fact, your direction is just to stay right where you are as numb as you can be. It's like if you were in a sailboat and the sailboat was going in a direction, but it got in a storm and the, the storm capsized the sailboat and now it's upside down floating in the middle of the ocean, survival mode is you just living on the underside of your boat. It's just, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. And what happens in survival mode is you lose touch with God. You get in touch with your pain. Uh, You lose touch with the calling on your life and you lose touch with kingdom momentum. Now, survival mode is actually a psychological term. I'm just kind of giving you my spin on it from, from my interaction with it because I've been there for too long. In and out, sometimes trying to right the ship just in time for it to go back under. I think God's calling me out of it. He calling you out of it, right? I think so. Like, listen, I want to tell you, don't make massive decisions in survival mode. Don't decide to sell your house in survival mode. Don't decide to go to another church in survival mode. Don't decide to marry somebody or date somebody in survival mode. Your one decision in survival mode needs to be getting back in touch with the heart of Jesus again. So we operate in survival mode, and what we're actually operating in is disconnection, frustration. In my situation, over-niceness. You know what happens when you take somebody that you're used to them being overly nice and so you get used to taking advantage of them is when they actually operate in health and tell you where you can go. You think that they're the wrong one. Right? It's not, if you're operating in survival mode, you're, you're tainting the environment and the atmosphere around you. And so when you can dream of working hard, making a paycheck, coming home, going numb, waking up to do, to do it all over again, that's a problem. When you're more intimate with your TV or your phone than you are with Jesus, that's a problem. This is one of the reasons why I had to get off of social media because in survival mode, it's just when you can't really think of anything substantial, it's easy to just surf on Facebook and see a bunch of nothing. It's just easier, and I had to do that. If I'm serious about getting out of survival mode, this is, not, this is not a New Year's resolution. This is me being a Jesus follower. I've got to stop spending more time with a device than I do with a man. Yes. So there's, there's a survival mode is there is sometimes because of relational turmoil. And relational turmoil is necessary. You need it. Couples that never argue There's a deep problem there. If you never argue, there's a deep problem because in humanity, you're supposed to have conflict. That's the way that God designed it. That's actually what makes you stronger. Iron sharpens iron, and that's what makes a blade sharp. Some relational hardship is is good. But what's bad is you have a conflict, and then you retreat, and then you just argue from a distance in your minds. All right? Um, the survival mode is there because of exhaustion from trying to maintain a certain reputation. 
And it's interesting that people that are most concerned with their reputation spend most of their energy trying to taint others' reputations. Have you ever noticed that? You know, I, I feel like this year, I want us to start doubting blamers instead of doubting the people blamers blame. Uh, survival mode is there because we carry weight not meant for us. Survival mode is there because we've made friends with unsurrendered places in our lives. And we just say, listen, I'm a bad dad. That's how it is. I'm just going to be a bad dad. And we just surrender to our bad fathering. Well, listen, I'm just not a good husband. It's just how it is. Just stop pursuing my wife because she'll never be happy. Well, that's not what the word of God says. That's not what the spirit of God says. That's not what the son of God says, right? So I want to talk this morning about getting out of survival mode. And it really struck me that Acts 16 is, is a really interesting guide for that. Acts 16, starting with verse 16, going to verse 34, it's a long passage. Part of me would just like to read the whole thing. But for the sake of time, I want to just kind of speak this out to you quickly and now read some parts. But this is the, a passage of scripture that many of us know, starting with verse 25. Many of us know this because it's Paul and Silas in prison. They're chained up in the inner, inner sanctum. Um, they've been thrown there for something they didn't really even do. And at midnight, after they've been beaten to almost death, they're singing hymns and praying to God and everybody's listening. That's where the earthquake happens and the doors fly open, the chains fall off and it's really great. But actually right before then, the passages before them set a stage that actually show us how to operate in not survival mode, but let's, let's just call it kingdom mode. Survival mode doesn't, isn't from the kingdom. Kingdom doesn't just survive. It, it thrives. It moves. It's alive. So, and here's the first thing that I, I want to say, because before Paul and Silas are thrown into prison, what they, what they uh, see happen is they see a, a woman named Lydia converted to Jesus. And then a church is planted in her house. Just think about that for a second. Actually, at the, at the very end of this chapter, after they get out of jail, who do they go to see? Before they leave town, they go to see Lydia. She, she's leading the charge as far as the church goes in the city of Philippi. So Paul and, and Silas are in Philippi. They see Lydia come to Jesus. A church is planted in, uh, in her house. And then Paul and Silas are going to a place to pray. Now listen to this for, for a moment. Look in verse 16. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now I just want to stop there for a moment because in the, well, actually, in the next passages, you see that Paul gets annoyed at her following them around, proclaiming this, and so he casts this demon out of this girl, all right? But I want to I, I just suggest for a moment that most of us who have never been trained on how to just have a good conversation, how would, we would just say, well, she's not saying something that's untrue, so we're just going to let this keep happening, this, can you, Paul is annoyed that she's following them around with this message, maybe not letting them talk, maybe not giving them space. If the apostle Paul is annoyed, though, something is wrong, even though her words are true. And, and Paul turns and he takes care of business like that. Notice that the way that Paul did this is he didn't pray to God and he, and he didn't, you know, he, he spoke right to the spirit and told it to go. That's a good lesson for us. 
But Paul, Paul does this, and, uh, and what happens is, is um, it disturbs the city. In fact, my, my first point here, if you want to know what do you need to do to get out of survival mode, is you need to pray about, God, how do I disturb the city? How do I disturb the city? Honestly, so the survival mode says, how do I blend in with the city? But kingdom mode, God's heart is, we need to disturb. We need to bring disruption to this, this dysfunctional, unhealthy place. If you can blend in with an unhealthy place and not disturb it, I'm suggesting this morning that it's not kingdom. Because what happens in, in verse 20, after Paul takes care of business, it says in verse 19, when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So we got owners of a girl, and we got, we got those owners dragging Paul and Silas before rulers, okay? Now, these are all the leaders of the city, and when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They're disturbing our city. Our city is officially disturbed because of those two. Now let's think about what Paul and Silas actually did. Is we've got, they, we got a demon-possessed girl here. Paul and Silas cast the demon out. You'd think in a healthy city, you'd think that people would say, praise the Lord. You know, she's been in bondage for all of these years, and we've been profiting, uh, you know, unjustly off of her demon. Thank you for setting her free. But a dysfunctional city, a dysfunctional town, a dysfunctional family is actually built around a demonic disruption. And then if Christians don't come along and disturb that nonsense, no one will. So here we, we've got, they disturbed the city. So in other words, they disrupted the unhealthy thing. They, they brought they brought freedom where there was bondage. They brought truth where there were lies. They brought kingdom where the earth was not like it, where the earth was not like heaven. They brought confrontation to something evil. And what that did is it disturbed the city. Now let's talk about what the city actually is because the city is not a place. The city is a people, and specifically the city is a leadership or rulers that love dysfunction and they love to profit off of it. The city operates on an unhealthy relationship with a slave girl. Everything is fine as long as this girl is bound by demons, owned by men, and making money. Do you know how jacked up that is? Do you, know that, do you understand what is happening here? The city is fine when this girl is possessed by demons, making money for her owners. And it's, the whole city has, has come to terms with a human being image bears bondage. As long as she can be used, we're good. That is what cities do. Make money for us, live in bondage, that's just the cost of having our protection. And when the kingdom invades that situation, the city gets disturbed, or in other words, the city goes into turmoil. And the people that are allowing this to happen are the owners of the girl, the rulers of the town, then the crowd, and the magistrates. There's, there, in these days in Roman colonies, or Roman towns, there were two magist magistrates to every important city. And so there were magistrates here, probably two of them. And what they all do is when their dysfunction is actually addressed, they begin to attack 
Paul and Silas. And here, the way that they attacked them, here's they seize them, they drag them, they beat them, they inflict them with all kinds of stuff. Ultimately, they throw them into prison. Uh, they, they order the jailer to keep them safe. Uh, they, uh, are, have, they're in the inner, the inner prison, fastened in stocks and chains. This is how people are treated when all they did is bring the kingdom of heaven to a girl. So owners, rulers, crowd, magistrates, in other words, the city, here's how the city operates. The city operates in blame when it's pressed. And in 2022, I already said this, but one of my hopes and goals for myself and for us as a church and for the Big C Church in general that loves, actually thrives on blame, like whose fault is it? Who's preaching heresy? I had, a, I had a, a great professor, Dr. Perry, at the Moody Bible Institute that said, it's not if you preach heresy, it's just how much, right? Like we, we, we really have to lower our, our pride and we really, just, it, we really have to get in touch with the heart of God. Um, but in 2022, I want us to stop looking at who the city is blaming. You sure this? this is, I feel like I can see a little bit more clearly since I've been off of social for, for weeks now. And we need to stop looking at who the city is blaming and start looking at the ones doing the blaming. The, in the kingdom of God, God doesn't blame. God does not blame. So if someone is blaming, that is not of God. Is that, that's just basic math, is it not? The kingdom doesn't operate in blame. If somebody is operating in blame, they're not operating in the heart of the, of the king. So it looks like blame. This is your fault. Our city is going down the tubes because you did this thing. Or how about this one? It's false commitment. Often people are not committed to you. Listen to this one. This is an insight. I really feel like, like the Holy Spirit just handed me. Often people are not committed to you. They are committed to the unhealthy place that are used to you living in. And when you get freedom, you disturb them. You hear that? They're, they're not actually committed to you. They're committed to the version of you that's defined by the unhealthy spot that you're in. And if they come and they sit too close to you and you say, hey, there's like six other seats there. Could you just move over one? I'm out. I, 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 you, ah. They're not committed to you. They're committed to your spot. And when it's unhealthy, they're really ultimately and weirdly perversely committed to your unhealth, not actually to you. It's like a, a bully being fine until the one being bullied fights back. You wanna hear a story along this line? I got great ones here. And uh, I lived on a farm from about seventh grade to about 10th grade. Farm boys get strong, can I hear an amen, right? I was not a pushover physically, I was just one emotionally. My, my parents went through a really massive, crazy divorce. The whole church turned on us. You know, in, in a conservative Christianity, if a pastor's family gets divorced, do you, do you know what Christians do to that family? It's crazy. Crazy. All right? We didn't see the love. We were living on government cheese, blocks of it. All right? And I remember no confidence in these days, even though I was strong, living on a farm for four years. And I remember this one guy that I knew that I could take uh, with, with uh, blindfolded with my right arm tied behind my back, fighting with my weak arm, all right? But I just let him pick on me. Let him pick on me until gym class one day when we were doing wrestling. And by the providence of God, my gym teacher had me and this guy demonstrate 
wrestling for the entire class, all right? And so what happened in my heart, guys, is, is I actually wanted to just surrender, go, go into this zone, <laughs> go, go into this zone, into, into this survival mode, and just let him beat me because that's what I was used to. But the, something rose up in me that as soon as, you know, you blow the whistle, I just decided to rip his head off. And I just, I just, I, I pinned him three times in two minutes. One was with a half Nelson. Like I literally, I arm around his head, the other one between his legs. And then I just locked my hands and I just smiled at him as he cried. You know, I was just, it felt, felt so good. But what happens, what happens, this is when bullies get beaten. All right, and I will wrestle any of you in the foyer after this if you want, just to be a good family. I, I, I won't hurt you much, all right? But uh, we'll take our shirts off, we'll laugh. Uh, but the, when, when the one that's being bullied fight backs, it, it, feels, it feels weird because those bullies were only committed to your dysfunction. Do you hear this? And one of the most, we, we teach our sons and our daughters to be nice. Our sons and daughters should be kind. They should be kind, not nice. Our sons and daughters should be dangerous with kindness in their heart. I just, I wanna challenge what we, what we even think Christianity is. Do you know at the, at the end of this passage, when this, this tumult happens and Paul and Silas really raise a stink in the city, the magistrates say, just send those guys away. And do you know what Paul does? Paul says, you treated us wrongly and now you want to get rid of us quietly. We're not leaving until you come down here and publicly apologize. This is, we, we have to even, we have to begin to see what Christianity actually is and the confidence and the strength that we are allowed to operate in. It's actually carrying the kingdom. Letting people walk on you is not kingdom. Partnering with their false commitment to you is not kingdom. How about this one though? That if we're gonna get out of, if we're gonna get out of survival mode, we also have to begin to pay attention to what I'm calling the battle after the battle. You know that sometimes the hardest day for me, is, is this too much vulnerability? You got, is this okay? Yeah, three people over here instead of two people down here and then over there. But uh, So most of us, is too much. I got it. But the hardest day for me is Mondays. The day after I just pour my heart out up here and then the enemy comes after me and then you know, maybe you get a, a random jest. You set a record for most words in a half an hour. Good job. Oh, okay. And then you begin to wonder, like, God, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, I just really feel really bad. I just poured it all out. And then Mondays are this invitation to survival mode. And it's hard. So if you want to pray for me, I would say pray for me Sundays, but really pray for me Mondays. But you guys know how it is when you really pour it out emotionally or spiritually or in prayer, how you become more susceptible to the enemy on the backside, right? So survival mode can be embraced when, when the, the right thing is done, but the fruit of the right thing look, looks like a negative outcome. And this is what happens here with Paul and Silas is they do the right thing. They do what Jesus would do. They get rid of a demon, they give this girl a new life and they set her free. And what they get for it is jail and a beating. 
This is what I'm calling the battle after the battle. They, they, they fight the demonic and it's easy because Jesus is so much stronger than demons. Hello? But, and they exert. And then the, the fruit is not the city rejoices, but the dysfunctional city turns on them. It's the battle after the battle. Beaten with rods, thrown into prison, chained in stocks. And nothing will drag you into into survival mode faster than embracing a victim mentality. And a victim mentality sounds something like this. This always happens to me. See, I operate in faith. I go after somebody's freedom. And this is what happens. God doesn't see me. God loves other people more than he loves me. This is what following Jesus gets us, right? This happens, Old Testament, prophet Elijah. Do you remember this? He has a showdown with the prophets of Baal. And he absolutely, one guy against a multitude, absolutely destroys them. That was the battle. Great victory for the kingdom. What comes on that after that battle is the battle after the battle. Jezebel gets angry and she says that she promises to kill Elijah. Elijah runs away and gets severely depressed. After a great victory, it's the battle after the battle. We have to, 2022, like, like when you're seeing victory and stuff, it's like that battle after the battle, you have to say, well, God, like I'm not letting down. I'm not just gonna zone in front of a TV for five hours, right? I'm going to stay close to your heart. I'm gonna stay, keep watching uh, and watching for you and waiting on you and intimate with you, all right? But here's another thing. I've got two more things and we're done. But uh, here's another thing. If you want to get out of survival mode, I would say sing and pray at midnight. Midnight for you, you know, it, it could just be straight up midnight because verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. All right? So maybe it's midnight, but I think midnight can also represent valleys, dark places, Places where you did the right thing, you got a rough outcome, your battle after the battle was actually the biggest battle, the greatest hurdle, the, the darkest place. And I would say the only thing that I really know to do when you're in that place is sing and, pr and, sing and pray when, it, when it's the darkest. Um, worship, I just spoke two weeks ago on worship, but uh, you can go back and listen to that. I, I, I think that you should. But, but worship, we have to recognize that worship is, is like nights at war. Worship is pushing back darkness, starting in our own hearts. Worship is deciding to align our hearts with the greatness of Jesus, not the badness of our situation. Worship is, is saying, God, you are worthy of my praise even though I'm in chains in a jail. Even though I did the right thing and I got the results of the wrong thing, you are still the treasure of my soul, the captain of my, of my life, the, the king of my heart. So singing and praying at midnight is very important. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And so it's important for our hearts, but it's also important for other people because listen to this, and the prisoners were listening to them. It doesn't say they were singing, it says they were listening. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Guys, what, what welcomes in a great move of God is not you and I just being awesome, but it's you and I willing to be mistreated if that's what it takes for other people's freedom. And then in that place, bringing heaven to that place where we're experiencing darkness at midnight, right? 
So when, uh, I remember the last time I preached on this was a good 10 years ago at Providence, standing on the stage at Hanover Middle School, we had just heard uh, that, or Hanover High School, we had just heard that we have to, we can no longer rent a space at, in Hanover. And they're kicking us out. I literally, once again, did not know where we were going. So I get up on Sunday, I preach this passage, and I just declared to our church, listen, no matter where we go, I'm just declaring that we're gonna be a church that worships God anywhere. Right, anybody remember that? I think there's maybe like seven of us left from those days. And we, we actually even adopted a, a terminology that says, under a rock, under a tree. We don't care. Just saying, if we have to worship under a rock, we'll worship under a rock. If we have to worship under a tree, we'll worship under a tree. Because it's not where, it's who. God started Providence not so we would be at a place, but so we would worship a person and follow a person. It's not where, it's who. And so we decided not to embrace a victim mentality, but just worship at midnight. And what God did was crazy. God, God set us up to be a church for a town, and now he's made us a church for a region. Now there's the opportunity from this posture, from this place, is so much more substantial. And I just want to say worship at midnight. Other people's freedom depends on you worshiping God in the dark. Biblically, just being around the presence of God, just being around true worshipers can get you free. Do you hear this? Just being around people that are going after God, that can mean freedom to you. Biblically, if that wasn't the case, then when the worship and prayer at midnight happened, only Paul and Silas's chains would have fallen off and only their prison doors would have been opened. But everybody's were. All the doors were open. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. unfastened. And so I would say this morning that if you're sliding into survival mode where all you can think about is just like just staying on the underbelly of your ship and just like, oh, no energy, no strength. And if it's midnight for you in some capacity, I would, I would actually say begin to worship, but also gather to worship. It's, it's crazy to me how many of us don't recognize that the enemy doesn't want us to gather to worship. He, just, he doesn't want us to be together. A, a, a log sitting by itself in a raging fire goes out on its own. And I've seen so many people, I've been a pastor for 23 years now, and I've seen so many people that were burning bright for Jesus just decide to get away by themselves you know, we spiritualize it by saying, I'm just going to be alone in the secret place. Just uh, The secret place works when you're also in, in connection with the community. From the, from the secret place back to the community and just back and forth. That's how it works. But it doesn't work as an excuse to just do life on your own. That'll, uh, that'll throw you into survival mode uh, so fast. But here's another thing. If you want to get out of survival mode, I would also say this. Uh, just resolve to stay on mission. Stay on mission. You don't know what to do, serve. You don't have to be gifted, just serve, stay on mission. When chains fall off and, and doors fling open, survival mode would tell us, that, listen, here's your opportunity, save yourself, get out of here and fast. So our mission in survival mode is survival. Run, get out. Get out fast, go, this is our moment. Just get out of town. But Paul and Silas were called to this town, but they're in chains and they're not anymore. They're in prison, the door's open. Isn't God telling them to leave? 
actually, biblically, no. He's calling them to mission. Their doors didn't open so they could run. Their chains fell off so they could save the life of the jailer. The guy who fastened them in stocks. The guy who put chains on them. The guy who put them in the inner dungeon. So your chains came off for the guy that was mistreating you. What? What? I thought my chains came off so I could run free. No, your chains came off so you could be free to serve. And I love what happens in this passage. You just got to read it. It says, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Do you, do you realize, guys, the extent and the turmoil that most people are in? That we fly by and we're only concerned for when can I go watch TV? And the people around us are on the edge. Like this man, he's about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped because he's about to be killed anyway. I guess he's thinking better to do it myself. In verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. Listen, this is, this is just straight up called loving your enemies. Do not harm yourself. We are all here. Wait, but the prison doors are open, but we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear. This is the good kind of fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out. And so, so the person that brought them in is now bringing them out. Man, that's kingdom. Sirs, here's the, here's the question. A sermon has not been preached yet, okay? Here's what happens when you sing in the dark, when you don't run, and when you focus on the gospel message advancing in every place that you're at, all right? Just by the displayed power of God and the presence of God and chains coming off and doors being opened by God, here's the question that comes out of this man's mouth. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. God, guys, who is thankful that the gospel message is as simple as that? You don't have to do backflips over the devil. You don't have to scale a mountain. You don't have to do penance. You don't have to go to purgatory first. You can just be saved, reunited to your savior, the one who made you for himself. You can just be saved by faith in Jesus and turning from your sins is what faith really means. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. This is, man, it's the, the kingdomness, man. You can't, they couldn't figure this out on their own. If they would have run, they would have been hurt while they did. And here the jailer is actually now bringing healing to them now that he has a new heart. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. See, like the people, the, Paul and Silas seeing at midnight not running when, when the doors opened and fixing their attention on what God is doing in my enemy right now meant salvation for the whole house. And he, that's the jailer, rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. I mean, it's, it's amazing how God decides to bring joy to earth. And it's not usually in presence. Anybody experience present fade by Christmas afternoon? 
what brings joy to earth is, is when in a dark place, enemies and those being mistreated actually become family. You see that? When people who were in dark but are now in light, actually, that, that, that happiness, kingdom happiness flows. And I just really believe that at the beginning of this year, at, at the beginning of 2022, God is calling Christians to actually be who we are, operate in proper identity as sons and daughters, not be used and abused, but be kingdom, light, and life, walking in the presence of God wherever we go. I talk a lot about my dog, Champ, and he's a golden doodle. He's actually a good dog in a lot of ways, uh, except when he's just uh, not. Um, but Champ, I've been, I've been taking him outside on walks and stuff, and he's doing this new thing. He is, when he sees a rabbit or a squirrel, he's been stopping and, and like pointing like a pointer <laughs> at it. It's, it's, it's weirding me out because I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I like, I like, knock that off. Stop pointing at that animal like that. Tails going out, like a pointer. I was like, your mom was a golden retriever and your dad was a poodle. Like, you're not a pointer. What are you doing? You gotta knock this stuff off. You were bred to be a big, fuzzy, nice blanket, pillow, nice dog for my kids that doesn't shed. That's, that's what you do. You let us take advantage of you and lay on you. You don't point at rabbits. You know, you're not a hunter. You don't do that. You know, just be happy and fluffy and nice to my kids. And, and Christians, I, I feel like, you know, this is not the greatest example. I, I just want to say it this way, that we were saved not to just survive. Like, it's like Christians start, like, pointing at stuff. You're like, that's not why you're saved. That's not what you were bred for, made for, saved for, redeemed for. You're not that. You're this. You're this. This is what you are made for, to operate in the heart of Jesus in a dark world. Oh, I'm angry at the darkness. It's, it's so dark. Well, what do you expect? There's too much anger and darkness instead of saying, you know what, I'm gonna stay on mission. I'm gonna bring Jesus to Jesus-less places. Whoa, why are we so apt to running? Like just, we gotta, you know what Jesus was called to do in Isaiah 61? He's, he's called to break bondages off people. That's, he's calling us to do that with his heart, walking in his. We, I think we'd see whole households saved. You know that we saw, um, what, I don't know, Almost 60 people baptized at Providence this year in one baptism, right? And this past year, I just feel like, you know, and then the year before that, one more baptism, about the same amount of people, just like it's been mass baptism. I want to see this year, I don't know, what, what if a thousand people got saved at Providence this year? Or not, or not just at Providence, but because of the Providence Church being the church in the community too. What if, what if people just stream forward on, on Sundays and at restaurants and around your dinner table, they ran to Jesus, whole households getting saved because you're staying on mission in, instead of hiding in a pit. Instead of saying, oh, what's wrong with the world? How about what's right with the world? Jesus in Christians is right with the world. I just believe that God wants to get us out of survival mode and he wants to actually make us dangerous to darkness. Darkness is afraid of Jesus. Is it not what we just sang it this morning? Jesus, you make, your name makes darkness tremble. But darkness is afraid of Jesus and Jesus' kids. And it's just, it's just time that we, we, we start standing up and start pushing into painful places and saying, not comfort, but growth. Not, not 
not, not comfort, not, not ease, not running from hard situations, but actually inviting the kingdom into hard situations, that is going to be the posture that I'm gonna operate in, and I think joy will flow in that. Instead of false peace, real peace. Instead of pretending I'm okay, actually being okay by the power of God. That's what I want. That's what I want. In my heart, in my life, this year. I want us to get stronger. I want us to have a little bit more conflict. And I want us to love and cry and laugh afterwards. Instead of pretending we're okay, then walking away from each other, slandering and gossiping, and then wondering why nobody's happy. Like, I actually think like this man, I just, I just really felt God hard on that. I really feel like some people need to repent of gossip and slander. And, and you're, you've been using your, uh, man, this is, this is really heavy on me right now. You've been using your energy to make people uh, think that you're spiritual, but you're actually a gossip and a slanderer. I think this morning, God just wants to deal with you and just bring you back into his heart again so you love people instead of being bitter and angry at them. But other people, I, I think that you're, like, you're, you're somewhere lost in survival mode. And I think this morning, can we just have the prayer team come up? I think this morning, you just need to walk up. And you need to say, I need to be vulnerable. Would you contend for my freedom in this area? I need to sing in the dark. I need to, I need to operate in freedom here. I am no, I, today, I'm putting a stake in the ground. And I am no longer going to make space in my life for survival mode. It may be dark, but I'm at least going to go after the presence of God in this. And I just believe that many people this morning, you, you need to do it dangerous thing and you need to in front of other people that will see you all right it's it's things are you're supposed to be seen when you're standing for Jesus guys you just need to come and you need to drive a spiritual stake in your own heart in this church in front of other people and 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 come and put your faith in Jesus for the first time come and get right with Jesus but listen guys listen can we just agree right now whatever it takes to not live just surviving, but actually live in the heartbeat of heaven, in the heartbeat of Jesus. Like Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to just survive and, and look miserable. Joy is supposed to fill jail cells and households. Come on. So even as I pray, just, just come and go after prayer and just be happy about it. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for a year where you're calling us out of unhealth and you're calling us into wholeness. God, we thank you for a year that you're not gonna let us hide even from ourselves, that you're going to expose places in our hearts and then those places that have had chains on our hearts that have been, that have been uh, just burying us, just holding us back and holding us down, God, you're actually taking care of those those things by the power of your blood. But I pray for courage and vulnerability to rise up right now. Holy Spirit, pour it out. Don't let us run from this, I pray. The jail cells are open. The chains are off. We need to do business with you right now, Father. And I know that in your kindness, in your kindness, you can do this for us and in us. Thank you for this church. Thank you that this is the start to an, ex an exceptionally healthy year where we're gonna see your power poured out and many people saved. And I bless you, praise you, and uh, celebrate you this day, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 